Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a message from Pastor Brandon Sharp. John 15, when I say John 15, I was going to take you guys, sorry Christy, I move around a lot. Yeah, I hope, hope you can keep up with me. Welcome online, by the way, if you're joining us there, welcome, we love you. It's good to see some faces this morning of some of those who haven't seen in a minute. Things are starting to open back up. Thank you, Jesus. It's good. Yep, so John 15, when I say John 15, what comes to mind? Just talk to me for a minute. Like when I say John 15, tell me, tell me one word, two words, what comes to mind? Abide, tree, vine, unity, unity. Peaceful. peaceful. Yeah, good. Any others? Fruit. Was that you in the back, Doug? Fruit. I hear you. He says in 17 verses, y'all, he talks about bearing fruit nine times. You think he wants to get our attention there? Yeah, and, and so many times for me, for so long, like, abide, 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 yes, and that's certainly, that's certainly, you know, the right answer, all of those things are, but, but almost maybe more of a focus is on the fruit bearing, and so that is interesting, Douglas in the back, and so I, I, I want to look at that, and I love, I love that we've been talking uh, about what is truth, and, and, and is he king, or is he fraud? And that John 15 opens up with, I'm the true vine. Right? Not just the vine. I'm the true vine. Right? The only vine from the Father. The, the only vine that can, that can bring this flow of life like Jesus can uh, to us. It's interesting. If you look back in the Old Testament, it speaks to Israel as being the vine. Right? But we know that Israel didn't respond to the Father in a way where they could really reach the world and represent him to the rest of the world. Um, and, and, so, and so Jesus, there's a fulfillment there that Jesus is speaking to as well. I am that true vine. Um, Israel, not yet. Israel's day. Israel's day will come. Um, <clears throat> and so when Jesus says, I am the true vine, this is the last of seven I am statements. In, in the book of John. John walks through him, shares those seven statements, and this is the last. So before we look at John 15, you guys know me, as Pastor Alex said last week, I love definitions, I also love context, right? Abide is simple from a definition standpoint, remain. Abide in me, remain in me, stay in me. So we don't need to make that any more complicated, right? But as far as context, before we say, what does John 15, Jesus, what are you speaking to me what are you speaking to us in John 15? We need to ask the question, what were you speaking to them in John 15, right? Just a little bit on biblical interpretation here. If you, if you don't want to take the Lord and the authors of the Bible out of context, always ask that question first. What were you speaking to the original audience that was hearing this word? And then work from what is he speaking to you from that place. Is that good? You guys receive that? Very important. Okay, so what were you saying to, <laughs> to them <laughs> first, y'all? Sorry, I'm cracking myself up up here. Because before we get into that, particularly, I have to mention, uh, I have to mention verse 30. Hang on, let me drink some water. You guys are making me nervous. By the way, do, do something for me real quick. I'll get back on track. I know I'm being a rabbit right now. It's okay. We're family. <clears throat> My back hurts. I'm preaching in back pain right now. 
so I'm going to lay my hands on my back, and what I would ask from all of you is, as I command my back to be healed, command my back to be healed with me. Is that okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for provision. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that by his stripes, we are healed. Back, line up with that revelation. In the name of Jesus, I command you to be healed. Pain, you have no permission to be here. Leave the body. Amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, so in verse 30, this is what's funny right here. In verse 30, this is the Passion Week, and over in John 13, they eat the Passover together. And, and shortly after the Passover, Jesus speaks to Judas, and, and Satan had already put it in his heart, and then Satan later enters his heart to betray Jesus, and Jesus says, what you do, do quickly, and, and, and Judas leaves, and they, they, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and the tone of, of Jesus as who he was in his entire ministry, it started to change during Passion Week. He started to get eyes for Jerusalem and the cross and to talk about that. And I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a helper. So when we say, what does John 15 mean to them? One of the places we can't afford to miss is that the dynamics of their relationship with Christ were about to change entirely. Okay? That they, it's, 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 like, it's like with Cheryl, my wife, we have a relationship face to face. And if all of a sudden I was going to have a relationship with her, not face to face, that's what the disciples, that's what he's preparing them for. Is that fair? Do you guys understand that? And he, he says, you're still going to know me and I'm still going to come to you, but it's going to be different. You're no longer going to ask things from me. You're going to pray to the Father in my name. And he talks about this ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to teach you, lead you, guide you, show you, reveal. He's going to show you things to come. And he starts to reveal that's how he's going to come to them. Do you think that was shaking to the disciples? Right? And at the same time, he's saying, uh, not just I'm going away, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. They're going to crucify me. But three days later, I'm going to rise. That, that the disciples, we could see them. They were, they were struggling. They were confused. They were, they, were, they were saying, they were saying, ah, he's, he's, now he's speaking to us plainly. We saw that in John 14 when we looked at it. So, so I want you to see this transition. We have to see this transition. It'll change the way that we read John 15. And so Jesus is going through that, and he's, he's taking his disciples through that. They're struggling with him through that, right, to include, to include Philip. Show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Philip, have you been with me so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All those conversations are right here in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You guys with me? Is that going to give you some context? Now, <clears throat> laugh with me on 30. Because in 30, he says, after he's talked to them, for all of 13 and all of 14, that's almost all read in 30, he says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Sounds like a close, doesn't it? Sounds like the preacher's closing, doesn't it? Oh, come on, y'all. You don't want to join me right here? Jesus says, I'm closing, and then all of John 15, all of John 16, and all of John 17, for preachers everywhere out there, for permission, for long closes, there it is. I just showed it to you in the Word, so thank you very much, Lord. I can see that that tickled me more than it tickled you. That's okay. I'm going to take it and run with it. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. So, as we get into John 15... There's three questions I want to answer. 
Who is it that's getting cut off? It's a good one, right? Who is it that's that's getting cut off? What's the fruit? Doug, what's the fruit? And can we know that we're abiding well? So so over the next 15, 20, I'm sure what my time looks like at this point, I want to answer those questions. So let's read the first six. I'm the vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is New King James. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We like that one, don't we? If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Stop. I want to take it in sections, okay? So in six, what I want to focus on in these first six is really who gets, who gets, who gets, who gets cast out, who gets cut off. Because I think one of the things that we do, church, is we, we and, and maybe I'm speaking more to me, we can, have, we can get very insecure in our relationship with the Lord, right? And, and wonder when he might just smite us or, or cut us off or we're not doing enough, right? We're not bearing enough and, and we're going to be these branches. When Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, then we make a connection in our, in our head that goes, well, you cut some of these branches off, Father, He's the vine dresser. He's the farmer. He's the gardener. You cut some of these branches off. I don't want to be that branch. Is that, is that fair? Is this real? And, and, so, and so when he says, those branches that don't abide in me, those branches that don't bear fruit, they get cut off. They get cast out. They get bundled together and thrown into the fire. My mind goes, I don't want to be that branch. So how can I make sure I'm not that branch? And, and where I want to encourage us is here. We need to divorce ourselves from the question or from the statement, if I don't bear enough fruit, he's gonna cut me off. This is part of receiving that peace. This is part of receiving that love. If I don't bear enough fruit, he's gonna cut me off. You will never be secure. You'll never be confident. Never be full of peace and joy, Ash, in your relationship, if that's your mindset. Gotta bear more fruit so I don't get cut off. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't believe that's what he's saying. I wanna minister peace to us this morning, and here's why. He says, if any branch in me does not bear fruit. That's a very absolute statement. Can you hear it? No fruit. Zero. And then later on in six, he says, any branch that doesn't abide in me. No fruit bearing, no abiding. That branch gets cut off. You want to know why? There's no relationship. There's no relationship. Because if we're leaning in and we're having conversation with him and we're praying and he's answering, he's doing all these things that we'll talk about here in just a minute and we're having an encounter with God, that is abiding, right? And if there's evidence of God in our lives, that is fruit. Now, fruit is one of those things I want to further define this morning and I want to bring some clarity to it and then work backwards in a way that I think some healthy measurement can really give us confidence in our walk with him. But the first place I want to start is You're in relationship with God. Smile, breathe, relax. He's not looking for a reason to cast you off or cast you out 
or me. He's not looking for a reason to, dequali- to disqualify us. I've said it before. If he was, no cross, no Jesus. Plan accomplished, right? He wants to qualify. He wants to bring us in. He, he wants this security. That's why Hebrews 4, 16, he says, you can come boldly to the throne of the God of all the universe. You can come boldly. He loves that confidence, that not arrogance, but confidence, not in what we've done necessarily, but in the response to the cross, the response to the blood, the response to the resurrection that opens up that access for us. Is that fair? Okay, let me mention one place in Matthew 7 just to drive this point home a little bit. At the end of Matthew 7, do we have that scripture? You're the man, Lee. At the end of Matthew 7, there's a group of people that, that, are, that are saying things about their walk with God that I think just aren't true. And this is another one that makes us very insecure. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Keep going, Lee. <clears throat> Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Instead of looking at that scripture and thinking, no, they had all these real experiences with God. They had all this fruit in their life and and they, they thought they were secure in their relationship with him and then they came before him and he said just the opposite. This was taught to me a certain way and it opened up my eyes and I love it. So I'm just gonna pass it along as a possibility to look at the scripture this way. Believe what, believe what God said instead of what people said. Is that fair? Right? They said, Lord, we've done all these things in your name. And he said, I never knew you. You practice lawlessness your whole life. Get away from me. So what's truth? What man said, what they said they did, are we gonna value that more than God's word? Or go, no, what Jesus said, they had no relationship with him. They didn't love righteousness. They weren't motivated toward righteousness. They were motivated toward lawlessness. There was nothing in them that was motivated to know the living God. And Jesus just said, it doesn't matter what you say. Right? It doesn't matter what falsities you want to bring to the, 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 the white throne judgment. I'm just looking at what was really there. I never knew you. Yes, that, oh, that, that, that can set us free. That can set us free to look at it like that. We can be secure. We can rest. We can breathe deep. Right? It's not a license for passivity. It's a license for security and confidence. And it's very much the same here in John 15 with the fruit. Ephesians 1, not going to go there. You can read it up there. I'm just going to paraphrase. Talks about how we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Right? He's the guarantee of our inheritance. And so back in that culture, they had signet rings. You'll be familiar with signet rings. Or they had their family seal on a dowel. And so when they would send mail... They would take that dowel or that signet ring and they would put it in wax and they would put their seal on that piece of mail. You guys familiar? So that seal, it denotes ownership, the family seal. It denotes security, as in it is sealed by the wax and it denotes destination. The spirit of God living on the inside of you and me denotes those same things. That God owns us. 
that we're secure and we're safe and no one can take us out of his hand and the destination that we're gonna be with him forever, right? So security, don't let those first six verses, don't let them, don't let them scare you, church, right? Don't let them make, make you insecure in, oh, I gotta bear more fruit, bear more fruit, bear more fruit, I don't wanna get cut off. No, it's fear-based and God's not in it, right? Let's, let's have a desire to bear more fruit because we love our God. We love our king. We want to see his glory cover the face of the earth. Let's let that be our motivation. We love the people that are around us, right? Which is gonna take us into the fruit. So what I want you to see in two is that the father, yes, he does cut off those branches that, that are not alive. That either are just saying, I'm in, I'm in Christ, I'm a follower of Jesus. Think about Judas. Again, we have to go back to where they were. Judas is MIA. Judas is missing in action. It says they didn't know if he went to do something with the treasury or this or that. They just knew Jesus said some really weird things and all of a sudden Jesus stepped out. There's not 12 for this conversation. There's 11. And so someone that was never with him from the first place, Jesus is saying, that branch is gonna get cut off. So the father does cut off, but the father also prunes. And one of the things that's called is cleaning the vine. Isn't that cool? so that more fruit can be produced. How does he clean us, church? Nobody? Scared? Correction. His word, right? That's why Jesus says in three, an apparent unrelated verse, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Isn't that cool? Father, he, he cuts off the dead branches. He also cleans the vine. He cleans the branches. And you guys, you're already clean, it's the same thing he said when he washed their feet. I don't need to wash all of you, Peter. You're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. You're already clean. I love that. I love that confidence. I love that rest. They're clean by the gospel. They're clean by the logos. They're clean by the whole counsel of God's word. Okay? So they're clean and, and then let's go to four. Abide in me, I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, and unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Now, <clears throat> I told you nine times, right? He talks about fruit. In two, one, two, three, he talks about fruit. In four, you have four and five. In five, you have the sixth instance he talks about fruit. And then down in verse 16, you have eight and nine. There's your nine. Now, what's cool about the first one through four verses here? This is more teaching. Is it okay? Can I teach? Can I teach this morning? <clears throat> in the first four verses, you see this progression. And the Lord moves from bear fruit to bear more fruit to bear much fruit. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that cool? You want me to show you where it is? More is into, I mean, fruit is into. <clears throat> more fruit is also into, bear more fruit. And then, and then much fruit. It is in eight. It's also in five. Much fruit is in five and eight. So here's what I love, right? I was having a conversation with a friend this week and they were talking about how we, we are to be administrating the affairs of the kingdom here on earth. The father is interested in fruit bearing. The father is interested in production and we can rest well and we can do Sabbath well and we can do all these things and we can say our God's about production. He, he wants to move things forward, 
He wants to move things forward in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our finances, in our work. God does want production from fruit to even more fruit and from there to much fruit. Okay? So if he's talking that much about fruit, it's very important that we understand what that fruit is. And even, even the statement, apart from me, you can do nothing. We, we, we mess that up, y'all. I've messed that up. Let me speak for me. I've messed that up. Because it's like, Lord, apart from you. But listen, there's people all over the earth. They don't, they don't know God. They don't care about God. They're doing a lot. Every day. They're doing a lot. Now, is there this truth that they can't take their next breath without him? Absolutely. But as far as engaging God, they're not doing it. And so again, what's the context? Apart from me, apart from abiding in me, you can do nothing. The nothing being, you can bear no fruit. It's not just nothing. It's going back, again, very particular to this fruit-bearing conversation that we're having. Is that fair? Are you with me? Are you getting curious about what this fruit is? <laughs> Listen. Y'all, I'm not going to stand up here and make a case that would say that this fruit can't be talking to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. That would just be reckless. I certainly think a part of it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, meekness, self-control, gentleness, and whatever other ones I missed in there. I think that's a part of it. When those things are present and evident in our lives, God is glorified. I don't think that's the fruit this passage is talking about. I don't see it anywhere. I don't see it anywhere. And so before we talk about what the fruit is, let me just say this. I think it makes incredible sense to, to think about this fruit in a narrow manner. What vines are you aware of that are bearing 27 different kinds of fruit? None. Vines bear a certain fruit, Right? And so as diverse as we know the manifestations of God are in this context, it makes sense that the fruit would be one thing. And here's the other somewhat ditch when we think about this fruit, and it can be so many things. Well, when I, when I prosper fi financially, that's fruit, right? When there's joy in my house and in my marriage, that's fruit. When I lead someone to the Lord, that's certainly fruit. When someone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit or I teach someone how to move in their gifts, that's certainly fruit, all those things. Is that kind of how you've looked at it historically? Me too. And, and I go, ah, Lord, that doesn't really make sense when we think about vines and fruit. Just the natural illustration that you're using, that doesn't make sense. The other thing I think that can kind of get us off in a little bit is, is this. We're in 49 different directions trying to bear fruit. And we're going, this is fruit, and this is fruit, and this is fruit, and this is fruit, and this is fruit. No problem with those things, but we can get spread thin pretty easy. If this fruit is in fact one thing, which I think the text heavily suggests, then we can bring some focus into our lives. That'd be nice, right? Could you guys use a little focus? Okay, cool. Now, that said, let's read seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Do you guys see it? What's the fruit? Gosh, come on, you chickens. 
Father's glorified. What's the fruit? What? Man, Lord, I'm so glad you gave me this message. We need it. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this being answered prayer, my Father is glorified. The fruit is answered prayer. Answered prayer. The fruit is answered prayer. Let me read 7 and 8 again, and you open your heart to the possibility. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Listen to 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So right there in 7 and 8, he ties, first of all, his words abiding, which we're going to talk about here in a moment, but he ties answered prayer and the fruit together. Now, let me show you a couple more because you're looking at me like I'm committing heresy up here. <clears throat> Go over to John 14 and look at 12. We like John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Think that relationship changing. 13, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Look at how similar the language is. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. By this, the Father is glorified. Now go back to seven and eight. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Same phrase, Father is glorified, Father is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, if that's not enough for you, it certainly is for me, go down to 16. Jesus reminds them, you didn't choose me. It was common in that culture for students to choose their teacher, choose their rabbi. Just to keep them humble, Jesus is reminding them, we didn't do this the traditional way. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Three times, gang. I can't do any better than that. He likes that number anyways. The fruit is answered prayer. Bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit, right? Now in three and in five, Jesus makes this statement, if I abide in you and you abide in me, may not have those verses right. What I can assure you is it's in the first six, right? If I abide in you and you abide in me. So there's this, there's this connection that's going this way to him, but then there's this life flow that's coming from him into us as the branches. That's important. This is not one way. And so in seven, when he says, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You see it? If you abide in me and my words abide abide in you. You'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. This is huge, y'all. This is where I want to land the whole thing because we're talking about abiding and the questions that I told you I would answer is who gets cut off? Those who have no relationship with Jesus get cut off. What's the fruit? The fruit is answered prayer. Can we know that we're abiding well? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. 
Now, listen, the, the question that we're not asking is do I belong to him? You guys can come up, I'm closing. Maybe I'm closing ahead of schedule. You haven't just walked up. Listen, this is not the question that we're asking. Do I belong to him? Am I still a son of God? Am I still a daughter of God? That would be like me asking when our marriage is struggling. Are we still married? Right? When Reagan and I aren't getting along. Is he still my dad? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous in the natural, isn't it, Bulo? And we have to look at the natural to understand kingdom dynamics. We would never ask that question. No, but the question we would ask is, are we okay? Are we okay? How's our connection? Right? Are we okay, Ray? Is there something we need to work through? Right? How healthy is the relationship? And what I love about the first eight verses of John 15 is Jesus is saying, hey, it's been face-to-face, and when it's face-to-face, it's easy because I can just come to you and ask you, are we okay? Are we good? But what about when he's invisible? What about when the seen God becomes the unseen God? Then that question of how healthy is our connection, Lord? How healthy is the relationship? I know I'm your son. I'm not questioning my identity, my place in you. I just want to know, are we okay? How healthy are we? How is my abiding? And when we can, when we can, when we can get secure and when we can say, hey, the, answered, the, the fruit right here is answered prayer, then we can work from the end to the beginning. He gives us a measurement. Our God is good. He does not leave it abstract. He does not leave us just out to wonder all the time. How am I doing really with you, Lord? He says, hey, look at fruit. Look at fruit, kiddo. How is your prayer life? How many of your prayers are being answered? Oh, that's a supernatural standard to hold ourselves to, isn't it, Alex? Are my prayers being answered? That is the fruit. And just like when Jesus says, anyone who wants to build a tower, let him count the cost. What do you have to do? you got to get a blueprint. you got to know what that tower looks like. you got to know how big it is. got to know what material you're using. All of those things, right, Brock? To begin to count the cost of that tower. When we go, Lord, how is my abiding? If we'll start at the end of answered prayer. And if it's great, great. Journal about it. Testify about it. Share what God's doing, Dr. Joe. And if it's not, spend time there. Seek God there. Talk to your friends and your community there. Assess the health of your marriage in that place. But also, assess this heavily. Are his words abiding in you? Are his words abiding in me? Listen, church, we don't ask what the Lord's saying all the time around here because we're nosy. Nor do we do it to act super spiritual. We do it because it is the only spiritual thing. 
It is the litmus test with an M. This is how you know your connection is. Because I can guarantee you this, if spoken words from God, this word is rhema, right? And I won't tell you that every time it's rhema, that it's exclusive, but most of the time it's rhema. It's not talking about the general counsel of God. There's a difference between those who know this book and who know Jesus Christ. I have met men who know this book better than I ever will. They do not know the Lord. He has to teach it to you. He has to enlighten you. He has to open our eyes. It has to be personal. It's father, son, father, daughter, and he makes it come alive. It's like spring, and it blossoms, and you go, oh, my goodness, I've never seen that before. And he does it over and over and over again, and it is the most miraculous experience I have ever encountered in my entire life. If those words abide in you and they live in you, then you pray according to those words and whatever you ask, it's done. How do we know? How do we know? What's God speaking to you? Right? Not what verse have you memorized recently. Not even what did you read this morning. What did God make alive to you this morning? That's how you know. Because those prayers get answered. Because those words abide. Because you abide in him. We work backwards. Is that encouraging, gang? I hope you're encouraged by that. This is so big. This is so game-changing in our walk. Let me pray for you. Father, I know there, there's victories all over the room, God. There's the most amazing testimonies all over the room. Father, it's a room of redeemed people who love you. And if there's any who don't, it's a room where that invitation is very present. I'm so thankful that you've given us your spirit. I'm so thankful, Father, that we don't have to wonder how healthy our connection is to you. All we have to do is look at the fruit. Answered prayer. All we have to do is look at what have you spoken to me, God? What are you saying to me, Father? And as long as that's there and that's intact and we can speak to those things and we can share those things, we can write about those things, we can pray those things back to you because all true prayer starts in heaven, Father. You have a desire that you want to see done on the earth and you put that into the heart. You speak that by your spirit into sons and daughters and they pray that back to you which releases you to do it in the earth. That's how it works. That's how you're glorified, Father. That's what you've invited us into, God. And so I thank you for clarity to know that we're abiding well. Father, I pray that you would remove the distractions. 
You would, you would remove the things that we've connected ourselves to unhealthily that have no ability to produce fruit because they have no ability to help our prayers get answered. Give us clarity there, Father. Give us strength there, God. Give us conviction. Give us boldness there, Father, to cut off what needs to be cut off and get back to just spending time in your presence and time in your word and letting you bring that to life in us so that we can usher your kingdom into our families and our friends and our businesses and our coworkers and our school, God. Move our hearts to abide. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.